Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4. And as we've said so many times, we've spent most of last year really starting back in February. So we're almost coming up on a year. Essentially talking about one thing, and that's Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, because I really believe God had spoken to me early last year and said, this is what I want to speak to Faith Christian Center. Understand this, God is always doing something. There are no haphazard accidents. There's no, there's no coincidences in God. God is working in your life, and He's directing your life, and if we'll listen to Him and cooperate with Him, He'll get us where we need to go. But it's not just us individually. It's us together as a body here. And one of the things we studied and we saw in those scriptures is that how God sees us is so differently than we see ourselves because we see ourselves generally as, uh, as individuals that belong to Faith Christian Center. What we have in common is we belong to the same church. We like each other. We may go to the same functions together. We're used to seeing each other. We have our own assigned seat, right? You've got your assigned seat. And, and that's how I take attendance because I know where to look for you. And some of you play games with me and you move around, but I'll find you. Praise God. And um, so, so but, but, but God's view of us is we're part of a body, one body, and it's His body and he's the head. And we spent a lot of time last year talking about that. And then we saw in those verses, the focus begins to talk to us now individually, what is, who am I and what is my part in that body? And we saw as it ended up that there's a process for training. There's a process of equipping. We see that the ministry, five ministry gifts that are listed there, including the pastor, are given to the church to equip us so that we can take our place and do what we're called to do. We talked about the fact that the only real satisfaction in life comes when you take your, find out what you're called to do and begin to do it because that's what God made you to do. When you're doing anything else, you're not going to be happy. Oh, you may be happy on the outside, but you won't be at peace and content on the inside because this is how God made you. And we ended up by talking about what it's like when each part takes its place. And that is the vision that God has for this church. That is the vision that God has for His body. And, and, that, and that is that when every part takes its place and when any one of us takes our place and does what we're called to do, then it causes the building up of the body in itself, and this is where we ended up in love. And we've been spending the last couple of months talking about this because it is the purpose and the focus. It is the lifeblood of the church. And we saw why because we've gone back and looked in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, and then verse 16, and we've seen the key. And I've gone over this before, but I'm going to go over it again briefly this morning because it is a foundational thing. Because if you understand this, it changes how you see everything else with God. And it is this statement in both of those verses that God is love. Not that God loves a lot. Not that God loves more than anybody else. Not that He has more love than anyone else does. He is love. And the reason that's so essential is because that means you cannot separate God from who He is and what He is. So you cannot, you cannot have God and not have the love. So if you're in Christ, you're in His love. If God's in you, His love is in you. And you can't have something from God and not have do it in love. So you can't say, God, I want your power, I want your blessing, but I don't want to walk in your love. You can't do that any more than I've said over and over again. You can't take a shower and expect not to get wet. Why? Because water is wet and God is love. And that explains now why Jesus says such things. We sang a song this morning about, about, you know, I am a friend of God. Well, if you read the rest of the verse... He says, if you're a friend of mine, then you will obey my commandments. A friend, there's two sides to friendship. Friendship isn't always what I get. Friendship's also what I bring into it. And Jesus' commandment is, and it's in John 13 and several other places, this is my commandment that you love one another. And then he goes on to define what he means by that love, and the definition is the way I have loved you. And we looked at what that love was like. We looked at Philippians chapter 2 and saw that he gave up everything he had to come and take on human flesh so that he could die in our place. In other words, he esteemed you and me as more important than himself. Yeah. And, it, and that passage then says, and therefore we are to esteem one another, value one another as more important than ourselves. And what so much of the struggle that we have in our relationships with one another is I want to assert my rights. I've been offended. I've been hurt. I want to defend myself. 
We looked in Matthew 5 and we looked in Romans 12. There's some amazing things that we're told to do. We're told to not defend ourselves. That doesn't mean you, you know, don't put locks on your windows and have, you know, have have you know security system it doesn't mean that what it means is if somebody does something to you don't take it personally and have to get back at them that's not what and we talked about what if god did that and we saw he says you know pray for those that despitefully use it very demanding things of us but his answer is when you do that you're acting like a child a son of the living god because that's who we are because that's how he acts towards us and we saw that in Matthew 5, of course, in other places. We saw that in, in, in Romans chapter 12. It says that, that, that when evil is done to you, you overcome evil with good. Amen. We looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, especially in verses 4 through 7, talks about how this kind of love acts. It doesn't take an account of a wrong done to you. It believes the best. It, 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 it endures all things. It's not envious. It's not jealous. Those, if you read on, you'll study their works of the flesh. Their works of our flesh. And so this is the challenge that God has given to the church. But now we can understand why it's so essential. Because the, why it's so essential is how can we represent God in this world if we're not walking in His kind of love? And the church has been so guilty of that recently. We'll have people out there with marches for some cause that we know is unbiblical, it's unscriptural, that it's sin. And what the church has done is done, we've, we, you know, we've fought against the people. And, and we've tried to fight politically. There's nothing wrong with standing up politically. There's nothing wrong with declaring what's right politically. But the Bible says the way we overcome evil is with love and with good. And so in many cases, what we do is we respond to the evils of this world with our flesh. And all we're really doing is assisting Satan in the establishment of his... He loves it when we get mad at people because they're sinning. It's interesting, we very rarely get mad at ourselves for that. You read Romans chapter 1, talks about sin, and it talks about sin is, is righteousness, is when, we, is when people refuse to believe that there's a God and honor God, and instead they make a God of themselves. But chapter 2 talks about how we view them, judging them. It says, be careful when you're judging others, because you're establishing the standard by which you're going to get judged. It's interesting reading. <laughs> And we've talked about all that. And then we begin to talk about, well, then how can we do this? I mean, it's demanding things God is at, not asking of us. He's requiring of us. So how can we do it? Well, first of all, God can't require something of us that we can't do. Otherwise, He's unjust. And, of course, He's not unjust. Now, He said, it doesn't say He's requiring things of us that are not hard. But the only part of us they're hard on is our flesh. Because 1 John chapter, I think it's 5, says that my commandments are not difficult. Well, they're not difficult on our inner man. They're just difficult on our flesh. And that's often how we discover how much we're still in the flesh when we think we're so spiritual because we lose our temper at somebody. We find out we're envious of something somebody has or we just, you know, we just get ticked off at somebody because they did something to us that they should never have done. And we discover there's still a lot of flesh still hanging out. And so that's the Spirit of God at work in us. So we've talked about all that. Then last week we began to talk about, but there's a benefit to walking in the love of God. There's a benefit to living in that. And that benefit is laid out, first of all, in, in we see it in John chapter 1. Jesus says, talks about who He is. He is the Word. He is, he is God, equal with God. And then it said, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we saw that life itself comes from God. And there's two types of life. There's two Greek words because there's two different types of life the Bible talks about. One Greek word is bios, which means natural, everyday life. The life, you know, we can, it's the life that we lose when we die. It's this organic life that we're used to. But most of the time we think that's what life is. But there's another word for life the Bible uses called zoe. And that's often translated eternal life. Eternal life doesn't refer to how long you live because your spirit man is going to live forever somebody, somewhere, either in one of two places. It's either going to live forever in heaven or it's going to live forever in hell. It's, you're going to have eternal life in terms of living forever. That's not what eternal life is. Eternal life means life at the level where God lives it. 
And we talked last week for some time about what that life is like. There's no fear in that life. There's, no, there's joy in life. It's fullness of joy. It's peace. It's all that God is. Everything God experiences is in that life. And we not, God's will is not that we wait until we die to experience that life, but that life is available to us here on earth. Because in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes, the thief, that Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have this life that I am and that you might have it more abundantly. Well, he came that we might have that life here. And that is God's will for us. So we talked about some of the blessing of that life. No fear. Imagine if you never feared again in your entire life, no matter what came up, no matter whether the stock market fell apart, no matter, you know, if you lost your, whatever happened, it didn't change you, your life. It didn't change where you lived your life. We saw that Jesus didn't walk around afraid of whether his needs are going to be met. He wasn't afraid in the middle of, he could sleep in the middle of a storm. He could be so much at peace. Now, you understand, if you read that story, the storm was so bad that the professional sailors were afraid they were going to sink. They were so afraid, they woke him up and accused him of not caring about them. That's how bad it is, and he's sound asleep. Why? Because he lived in the peace of God. He wasn't worried about whether they were going to eat, he, the things he told us to do, he lived out. They are part of the fruit of the life of God that is in us already if you're born again. That life is in you. I mentioned to you last week that when you receive a supernatural healing, it doesn't drop down out of heaven. It comes out of you. That's in you. The healing you need is in you right now. Then how come it's not released in me? Because we're not walking, we want the life of God without the essence of who He is, which is love. Which is why Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 and 24, when He tells us the principle of faith that receives all that God has, verse 25 then talks about forgiveness that's all connected together. You can't receive the blessings of God and keep away the love of God. You can't separate the two out. So that's what we talked about. We're going to continue that discussion today, and, 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 and I'm believing we're going to finish the discussion today. So we're going to Mark, 1 John chapter 4, which is there's a lot of that's in here. And we started last time in verse 7, but we're not going to go back there. I'm going to pick up in verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, if we love one another, if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. Let me explain what he's saying there, because there's some statements in here. Well, I'll go down and, and read them, because they almost appear contradictory. Verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in Him, and Him in us, because He's given us His Spirit. Well, wait a minute. I thought he said in verse 12, We know He abides in us because we walk in love. Now he's saying we know He abides in us because He's given us His Spirit. Well, let's go down, verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now, wait a minute, which is it? Is it if we walk in love? Is it if we know his Spirit's in us? Or if we confess him that we know? Well, there, it's all of those things. What he's saying here is if the Spirit of God is in you, God abides in you. Because you cannot separate God from his Spirit. The Spirit of God is God's Spirit. And if, he's, if you're born again, that's how you were born again, is God's Spirit was breathed in your human spirit just as God's Spirit was breathed in that pile of dirt in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and it says He became a living soul. In the same way God breathed His Spirit into your spirit and He became alive unto God, alive with the life of God because God is living in you by His Spirit. Verse 7, we looked at last week, says an interesting 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. It's out of God. He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 8 says, He that loveth not does not know God. It doesn't say he that loveth not isn't born of God. 
It says, so you can be born of God, have the life of God in you, and the love of God in you, and not have chosen to give it away. But he's saying if that's the case, place you're in, where God's love is in you, you're born, but you've chosen not to give it away, it's because you don't really know him. Because when you really know him and you know his love, you can't hold it back. Because this kind of love, when you know it, you can't contain it in yourself because its very nature is it has to be given. Its very nature is it has to be given. I shared with you last week that, that suppose I, you, know, you were commanded, that I, that I had said, here's, my, here's the commandment that the Lord's given to me. Joe Tremblay, you are to give away this week $1,000 to, to 10 different people, a total of $1,000. And Joe looked at me and says, Pastor John, I want to obey you, but I can't. I don't have $1,000 to give away. It would be unjust of me to say, well, then you're in sin. On the other hand, if I said, this is my commandment, and here are 10 crisp $100 bills, now they're yours but it's your choice whether you're going to give those away or keep them to yourself. Now it's within your power to give it away. And therefore, if you've been commanded to do it and you hold on to it, that is sin because the Bible says to know to do good and not to do it is sin. So you've been enabled to, to give it away because God's already put it in you. That's why love, we started out this whole study by saying love is not an emotion. Love is an act of your will. It's a choice you make to give something away God's already given to you. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending his disciples out for the first time. And he ends with this words, freely you've received, freely give. You can't give something that you haven't received. And that's what these verses are teaching us. And so when it says down in, in, verse, in verse 12, I think it is, yes, that no one, who has seen, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and notice the rest of it, and His love has been perfected or matured in us. So, and that word maturing implies a process. So as you step into this love and you begin to give this love away, you begin to esteem others as more important than yourself, you begin to put somebody else's interest above your interest, above your convenience and you begin to give of yourself to somebody else, what happens is a flow starts. I shared with you last week that you can have a hose that has a full water pressure that your town provides, and you can stand out there in front of your garden with your beautiful flowers, but unless you open that nozzle up, that water stays in the hose. It's dormant in there. But as you, the more you open it up, the more it flows. And the more the water flows out on those roses or those gardenias or azaleas or whatever it is, the more the hose gets wet. It's a flow. God's love is, is, is life. And life has to flow or it begins to become dormant inside. And that's where many of us are. We're holding it back inside and we're wondering, why am I not walking in the things of God? The things of God are are. are are, are watered by the life of God. And that life has to flow in order for it to be effective. And that's what John is talking about here. He says, because when you abide in that, when you walk in that kind of love, God is abiding. He, you're allowing Him to live through you. And as He lives through you, His love for you becomes matured. It's as you give it away that you experience more of His love for you. And that life that we're talking about, that Zoe, that eternal life, that life of God becomes alive in you. If you meet somebody that's, been, that's walking in this, you can tell. They're alive. They're not having up days and down days because God doesn't have up days and down days. When that life is flowing out of us, it's an up day. We're walking around in the joy, the fullness of the joy of the Lord regardless of what you have or don't have. 
The end of the book of Habakkuk ends with these powerful verses. It says, even though the, 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 the blossom is gone off of the, off of the trees and, the, and, the, and the, 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 uh, the olive vine is not producing any fruit. In other words, if, if we've lost everything, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He is the source of my strength. Well, that life is in you right now. That life of God is in you right now. Let's go on and read. That life is in you right now. Let's go down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides, that word abides means remains in, dwells in, settle down and make yourself at home in. He who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in in him. So when you see God there, it's the life of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the discernment of God. Everything that is God is in you. Think about that. In Romans chapter 10, talking about salvation, Paul says, don't say, who's going to go up to heaven and bring down this answer? Or who's going to go to the gates of hell and bring it up? Don't you know this? That the word of faith is near you and in your mouth. If you will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Once you've received that Spirit of God inside of you, and there's only one Spirit... You have the life of God inside of you just as much, if not more, than Joe Tremblay would have the 10 $100 bills if I had given them to him. More certain than that. That life is in you. And opportunities are around us every day to give it out. One of the reasons we don't is we don't think we're adequate. We see a need and say, I can't do that. I've got news for you. I can't do this. I can't do this. The only way I can do this is by relying on the Spirit of the living God that's in me. This, this is gonna, may shock some of you, except some of you have heard me say, I'm a shy person. I don't like speaking in public. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Often when I'm sitting down there, I'm thinking, I, I, what's going to happen, I know, is I'm going to go from being Clark Kent. I know it's going to happen. But while I'm still Clark Kent, I feel totally inadequate for that. It's just that I have absolute confidence that what God's going to do, because I've watched Him do it through me and in me for years. So I don't have a doubt it's going to happen, so there's no fear in it. It's just I don't feel like I can do that. Every Sunday... Because in myself, I can't. So if I look at myself and I look at my talents and ability, I'd run away. But I'm not looking at me. My confidence in is, is in who is in me and what He wants to do. Well, that's not just true on Sunday mornings when I come up here. I've got to live that out Monday morning. I've got to live that out every day when I find situations and I don't feel like I'm adequate to handle them but He in me is. But I'm His voice. This goes back to the body of Christ. I'm His hands. You're His voice. You're His hands. He can't express Himself unless He express Himself through us. And that's what John's talking about here. So let's go on because there's somewhere I want to get with this. Verse 17, love has been perfected. That word again means matured. Perfected among us in this, so that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know there is a day of judgment coming. Judgment for the church is different than judgment for the world. The word judgment, the word judgment literally means to draw a line. It's to give an account. 
If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll see the judgment of the church. We stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive an, to give an account of what we've done as the body of Christ with what He gave us to do. And what we're accountable for is how faithful we've been to do what God gave us to do. We're not accountable for the results. He is responsible for the results. We're accountable to be faithful to do what He said He would, told us to do. You'll see Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy said, talks about himself, for I have done what I was, I was run my race, I have finished my course. What I was given to do, I completed. So that's what we're going to stand for. But notice he says here that God's desire is to have, that we have boldness when we, not that we're standing like this, but we have boldness when we stand before Him. And the reason we're going to have boldness is because His love has been matured in us because we've given it away. We've given it away. Because remember, you can't fulfill what God's called you to do and not have done it in love because you can't represent God and leave the love at home. Because you can't separate God from the love and love from, the God, from God. Okay. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we right now in this world. And how is He? And what is He? He is above everything else. Love. He is life. So as He is right now in heaven, so are we in this earth. Why? Because He's in us. He is abiding in us. But he's only a, he, we're only experiencing that abiding to the extent that we're giving Him away. You determine how much of that life you experience. Verse 18, There is no fear in love. But perfect love, perfected, matured love, casts out fear. This is why Jesus did not have any fear. Because He walked in the fullness of the love of God. It's what I said to you last week and the beginning of this week. When you walk in this kind of love, it will flush out fear. You cannot be in the presence of God and be afraid. When I was, you know, you kid, you, you know, you get, you, you, there's, a, there's a story I've heard of a big game hunters and they were out, uh, they were out looking for different big animals and, and, th- and they were going to take pictures, except they weren't, instead of shooting, they were taking pictures. And they found this little cub elephant, this baby elephant, and, and, and they were getting curious, so they're coming up with a camera. Of course, the elephants don't know what is a camera or a gun. And this elephant, is, this little baby is looking at this camera and, and kind of backing away like this, and then all of a sudden, out of the trees comes Mama. And Mama comes out like this, and with her trunk, takes baby and puts baby behind her, and then takes her trunk and puts it up like that. That's not a good sign. And, and I heard the description of people there. While Mama's doing this, and of course, they're slowly backing away, out from behind Mama is baby. Baby's got boldness now because baby's with mama. When you're with papa, when, when you're with papa, there's boldness because our boldness is in him. That's why Habakkuk said, if we've lost everything, all the crops have failed and everything's fall apart, we still will rejoice in the God of our salvation because my strength comes from Him. It doesn't come from the olive tree. It doesn't come from my bank statement. It doesn't come because my strength is in Him. Amen. It's in Papa. So matured love just casts out fear. So if you're struggling with fear in your life, that tells you that you're not walking in the fullness of the love of God and experiencing the life of God. So what do we do? We begin to act on the love of God in the situations that are in your life. You don't have to go to school. Life is a school. I guarantee you that either today or tomorrow, 
It may be at the end of a football game today <laughs> with some friend of yours. You may have an opportunity to walk in this kind of love. <laughs> and don't tell me, yeah, I know evil overcomes good, so, or good overcomes evil, so that's how we're going to do it. All right, let's move on. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, now this is what the Bible says, he is a liar. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, understand how the, what the, word, the Bible means by hate. It's to hold something against your brother as hating him. It doesn't mean you want to take their head off. If you just, every time you see them, you go, <clears throat> they're not getting what they deserve. And you say you love God? He says, you're a liar. For whoever does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So there's this principle that I learned a long time ago. It's called the parallel of relationships. And it's this. Whatever you're doing with your neighbor is what you're also doing with God. You can say, I love God, I'm open to God, I worship God, but there's strife between you and your spouse. If I'd only married somebody else, or this, that, blah, 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 or he's my problem, or she's my problem, or maybe it's not your spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's somebody else that you're in your family, or somebody else you know, and you're just, you know, your heart is closed towards them, but my heart's open towards God. This scripture says that's impossible. Because let me put it this way, you cannot be selective in how your, your heart's either open or it's closed. Just like the, the hose, the nozzle, it's not just open, it not only doesn't just spray on sunflowers, it sprays on all of the ones that it's aimed at. It doesn't just spray on the ones you like. If it's open and you've got it aimed, it's going to spray on whatever's out there. In the same way, your heart's either open and love's coming out of it, or it's closed. And so this verse says you cannot possibly be say, I'm open and I love God. See, that's easy because you can't see Him. He's not looking back at your eyes. You don't always hear Him responding back, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I love you back too. Oh, I love, you know, you really do love me. Because a lot of times we say about God, we're not hearing anything back. A lot of things people say, God told me this and God told me that. It was something they ate. In fact, I get real, really uneasy when somebody says all the time, God showed me this and God showed me that and God showed me this and God showed me that and God showed me this and God showed me that and God told me this and God told me that. I want to stop and ask him, have you done what he's told you to? If you've got to be telling me how much God's talking to you, then I wonder who you're trying to convince. Jesus didn't say that all the time. God told me this, and God told me that, and God told me this. He just did what the Father told him to do. I'm meddling here. That's okay. That's what this verse says. I mean, it's a very powerful verse. I can say I love God, but according to God, I'm lying. If I refuse to love you, I can't be saying I love God. All right. We better move off of that. That gets uncomfortable. (laughs) Moving right along. By this, well, here's, here's the principle, verse, uh, chapter 5 now. Well, let's, uh, verse 21. And this commandment you have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every lo- everyone who loves him, and, and, and everyone who loves him who, let's go back, start again, John. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. There it is again. If you believe he's of the Christ, you're born of God. Everyone who loves God loves him who God begot, also loves him who was begotten of him. In other words, let's bring it down to where we live. If you hate my kids, you got a problem with me. Because they came from us. There's an identification there. And what John is saying here, how can you say you love God but you hate the people that he's birthed. 
his children. This is why one of the most powerful teachings on marriage I've ever heard is, husbands, you need to recognize that that wife of yours is also God's daughter. And the account that I'll give to him is how I've treated his daughter. He's not just my father, he's my father-in-law. But it goes beyond that because you're also, that's why you're my brother and I'm your brother because we have the same father. So what John's saying is, how can I say I love our father but I hate a child that he loved so much he gave his life for? These are powerful questions. Actually, they're questions that contain the answers. By this, we know the love of, we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. All right, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to go through this because I, this is a prayer that I pray regularly, almost daily over myself, over my wife, and over my family, and over you. And it is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. For this reason, and notice what the reason above is, that we may have boldness and access with confidence in Him, verse 12, through faith in Him. Therefore I ask that you not lose heart at my tribulations, which is for your glory. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, and this is the prayer, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened by, with might or power through His Spirit in the inner man. So let's stop there a second. What He's about to ask God to do for us, He's got to start by asking God to strengthen us. That means because what He's going to pray for God to do with us requires an inner strength. So the strength to do this doesn't come from your New Year's resolutions that are made out of your mind. You ever notice the, the, the things you determine the most to do with your mind are the things you don't do the most? And the things you determine not to do with your mind are the very things you turn around and do? Romans chapter 7, verse 14, through the rest of it talks about that. The very things I determine not to do, the very things I go out and do, the very things I determine I'm going to do, the very things I don't do, woe is me. Who's going to deliver me from this body of flesh? Well, Romans chapter 8 is God's answer to that. And it talks about the power of the Spirit of God inside of us to do the will of God in our life, to accomplish the will of God in our life, to change us. Instead of relying on the law to be changed, we rely on the power of the Spirit of God inside of us. So the first thing the Apostle Paul is calling upon is that God, through the Spirit inside of us, would strengthen us in our inner man. Why? What are we being strengthened for? What's God's goal? What is His, what is his ultimate blueprint for you? <clears throat> that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, verse 16, to be strengthened with might or power through His Spirit. So much of the time, we try to strengthen ourselves. Ephesians 10, 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brother, after having said all these things, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Well, where is the power of His might? It's the Spirit of God who is in you. He is the most neglected part of the Trinity. We get ourselves and we find ourselves almost every day in situations that are demanding upon us and we try to handle them in our own strength instead of calling upon that word in Greek for power is literally dunamis from which we get dynamo or dynamite. He is the dynamo of God. He is the dynamite of God. And He's living in you just waiting to be called upon. But He's only going to act in accordance with the nature of God, which is love. So when you say, Holy Spirit, blow that person up that just cut me off. 
I, I got the dynamite of God, and I know who I want to use it on. It isn't going to work that way. It's more likely to go off in your face. All right. That's just where we are sometimes. That He would grant you according to the... To be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man. And this is what the goal is. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now what that means is not through feelings. Oh, I just feel the Lord. Woo! I just feel Him all over. Well, that's nice. There are times you can feel His presence. But there's nothing in here about feeling Him. I feel the Lord now. Usually that's because I've had a nice meal, somebody smiled at me, you know, and the music's kind of propped me up, and I just, well, I'm in a good mood, I'm in a flow here. I feel the Lord. Yeah, but do I feel Him when somebody just looked in my face and called me a name? I feel the Lord. Oh, I feel it. What I feel then is my flesh. No, that the Lord may be formed in us by faith. By faith. It's because God's Word says He is already in you. And when we believe He's in us, we act as if He's in us. So when we don't act as if He's in us, when we don't turn to Him and rely on Him, it's either because we've forgotten He's in there or we don't really believe He's in me. So that He be formed in us by faith. That being rooted and grounded, notice in what? In love. That being rooted and grounded in love. What does that mean? Well, when a tree is planted, the first thing that will happen once that seed germinates is a thing called a taproot will begin to grow and bore its way down into the soil deeper and deeper and deeper before that tree starts to come up above the ground. It does two things. It's reaching down for the source of water and nutrients that are below the surface levels so that when the heat of the summer comes, that tree can survive because it's tapped into the source of water, the source of life, not just what happens to be lying around on the ground because it rained recently. Psalm, 91, Psalm 1 talks about uh, uh, being a tree planted by the waters. We're going to talk more about those waters probably next time. But the other thing it does so it, 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 is it also grounds the tree. It provides some stability. Every time in the spring when the weather starts getting warm and the grass turns green, I have these cute little yellow flowers that pop up in my grass. Aren't they cute? They're called dandelions. And I have a simple way of dealing with them. Just run right over them, and they're gone for about two days. And then they come back up again. Why? Because they didn't get the root. Because the root's tapped into the source of life. So you can take the top of it off, and the thing will grow back again. You have to get the root out before you can destroy the plant. And God wants you not just rooted for the source of life, but so you're not moved, not easily moved. So the rooting and grounding is, is being the starting. See, the beginning, the beginning of your growth has to be started in the root of your life, which is the love of God, the life of God. Being rooted and grounded in what? Love. Because you can't separate God from the love and love from God. But it's not enough to be rooted and grounded in it. Being rooted and grounded in love. We may come to know, this is the prayer, we can, may come to know together with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God that passes understanding. 
Isn't that an interesting statement? How can you know something that passes the ability to know? See, we read these things too quickly sometimes. What he's saying is, my will is, and my prayer is, that the whole church would come to know, not just from the root, but the fruit, the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know, that word know means, implies by personal experience. It's the kind of knowing that it refers to when the Greek translates the Old Testament that Adam knew Eve. It means a close, personal, intimate relationship with somebody, a knowing of what that person's really like. And to have that intimate, personal relationship or knowledge of the love of God, not as a principle, not as a concept, but as a reality in your life. To know the love of God, to know something that passes understanding. What an interesting statement. The word understanding there implies understanding with our mind. That means it's possible to know something in your spirit that your mind doesn't grasp. You've already had a taste of that because just the idea, just to start talking about heaven, your spirit will get stirred up. And yet you've never seen it. Your mind has no concept of it. In worship, we get, begin to get a connection with a God who is infinite, who is glorious, who is holy, who is absolute in His holiness, absolute in His glory, absolute in His majesty. The Bible, there's little glimpses in the Old Testament of, of where, like Isaiah came, and falls on his face when he saw the throne of God and said, Oh, is more is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And he was a good man living among an unclean people. Woe is me. That was because he saw the throne of God. And yet in worship, our spirits are lifted up. And we're drawn to something our mind doesn't understand. So you can know something in here that your mind doesn't have the ability to grasp. And that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a mental understanding, a theological understanding. He's talking about knowing it in your heart by experience. Like trying to explain to your children, what is it when you really fall in love and you've found the right person? Well, you know, let's see, biologically, you know, you get goosebumps, you get, you know, none of that does it. You finally said, you'll know it. You'll know. When you're there, you'll know it. So that's talking about knowing something that your mind can't quantify and you can't find words in your vocabulary to accurately describe it, but you know something in here. And to, and to know the love of God that passes understanding. Look at the next verse. So that you, so that you may be filled, so that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God in Christ. But he's in me. Yeah, but he wants to fill you with himself. But notice the key to being filled with all the fullness of God is that we receive a revelation of his love and of what his love is like because you can't be filled with God without being filled with love. And here's the point of last Sunday and this Sunday, is the key. Have you ever been to a, 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 a birthday party and they have party favors? And, and they have these, these, these papier-mâché uh, paper party favors that has a little tab at the end. And it's just sitting there on, the, it's sitting there on, the, on, your, on your table there. And, and it's just sitting there nice and quiet. But you pick it up and there's a tab on the end. And when you pull the tab, there's something connected to the other end of the tab. And when you do it, this thing pops out or explodes or make a noise. And the party favor that's on the inside now comes to the outside and it pops out into whatever it is, you know, turkey or flour or whatever it is. And now you see what was all, it was in there all the time, but you, there had to be a tab that, that unleashed it and pulled it out. And that's what this is like. When you begin to operate in the love of God and by faith you begin to give it away, there's a tab. That's the tab. That's the thing you can take hold of and pull because you can't make the other thing come out unless you just break it all apart. 
And so the life of God that's in you, the key to unleashing the fullness of God that's in you, that He wants to fill all of you up, the key to that is the tab that's on the outside. And that tab is walking, is preferring your brother. That tab is forgiving that person that's done something that's unforgivable to you. That tab is when you esteem someone else as more important than yourself. That tab is when you do what you don't want to do and you give something to somebody that, you, that they don't deserve. They don't, you want, what they deserve, you want to give them. But instead you bless them instead of giving them what they deserve to get. That's the tab. And when you pull that tab... And you begin, to, you begin to release what's already inside of you. And when you release what's all inside of you, you begin to get filled up with the fullness of God. Say, oh, pastor, I don't know if that's possible. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Because the Spirit of God knows we would say that and pull away. Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the strength of your determination. No? According to the resolve and commitment that you make to the Lord. No, that's not what it says. According to His power that's at work in you. God knowing that when we read that He wanted to fill us with all the fullness of who He is and to walk in the, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the life of God, not just in us, but flowing out of us, that we would react in our mind and say, I, yeah, I understand you know, that's for so-and-so and some of the great people, but I could never do that. And He says, you're not going to do it in your strength. It's just an act of your will. You don't have to work it up, push, pump it up, spell it up, whatever. All you have to do is choose to take the $100 bill that he's given you and give it where you see the need. Now unto him who is able to do beyond what you can. God wants to do things through you and in you that are beyond anything your mind can begin to grasp. God's unlimited in what He can do. I talked to you last week about somebody that I know that saw a child's leg straightened in his arms, in his hands. Wow. God wants, He's not just going to do that once. He wants to do the works that Jesus said, the works that I do, shall you do and greater works? But they're only going to happen as we're filled with who He is. The last thing we're going to look at, but not this morning, is we're going to look at a vision that God gave to Ezekiel of this same thing. And it's a vision that applies to Faith Christian Center. But that's for another time.